Greetings. Welcome to Haber Bros, a podcast for historic cross-centered Christians. We seek to provide ancient answers to a culture that's forgotten the questions. Thank you for listening this week. If you like what you're hearing or enjoy the show, please share it with a friend and say positive things about us. This is the biggest way that podcasts grow. If you haven't yet given us a five-star rating or review on your favorite podcasting platform, please do so now. It takes approximately 14.7 seconds of your time, but the algorithms love it. I'm Kirk Haberman, a church musician, and this is my brother, Chris, a newly healthy priest and a walking medical marvel. Chris, how are you? Kirk, I'm great, but <laughs> probably not as great as you are, because today is your anniversary. It is my wedding anniversary. Yeah. Your 17th anniversary. My 17th. Yes. I look, I look in the mirror and I do not see an old man. And yet I look at my wedding photos and I see a remarkably young man and young lady. Yeah. Um, so tell me about your anniversary. Your well, plans, our festivities were, yeah. were yesterday. It was just <clears> 10 when we could kind of get time off and, and do a mini day getaway. And we did, uh, we did a very middle-aged thing, which is we went to a, we went to Phipps Conservatory, which is mm. kind of the, the great conservatory in Pittsburgh. And we looked at lovely plants. <laughs> and yeah. we, we both Go had plants. a delightful time because this is 42 when you have a day off and you're like, let's go look at plants. And it is genuinely unironically fun. So, um, so we, you, you took a, day, a personal day or did, did, you had a day off? I did. Okay. I did. Yeah. I did. Yep. Mm -hmm. you, so um, you're telling me that the school district does not yet recognize your anniversary as a holiday. Okay. Listen, I have, I have, I've asked boldly as the Hebrews asked the Egyptians for their silverware before leaving Egypt. In previous years, um, not this weekend, but usually the following one, mm -hmm. um, when there's usually a carnival or a field day or something like this, I've always asked for that Friday off and pled my anniversary as justification for that. And that's when the fair Kimberly and I go up to wine country in upstate New York to the Finger Lakes, which has become a very happy place for us. Which um, finger? The... The ring finger, the the index finger. Which uh, is your favorite I, finger? I would, I would say I would say several. Uh, the ring, the middle, and the index. Okay. <laughs> though though the yeah. um the pinky's not the pinky's for for lame people. Have have I visited the pinky? Um, uh, the the thumb I gather, depending upon which way you're looking at the hand, is the um, is the is the wealthy one. The one where okay. pre presidents visit is that? No, it's not Canandaigua. I forget. This is not. This is not an interesting story to anyone. But yes, I visited several of the fingers, and um, I've asked boldly for this time off. And in the past, uh, my, my administrators have signed off on it. Um, but this year, um, I was going to ask for next Friday off because, of course, we're going to a family wedding in Louisville. Yes, and my administrators out. said for the first time ever, "No, we need you for the for field day." Oh my goodness. So I'm like, we okay, need you so for field day is not what you want to hear. No, I, I don't know about you, Kirk, but, but those are my least favorite days. Like Every put me in a classroom, give me a lesson and give me something to do. But like kind of watching kids on a field trip or like the, the chaos of that, uh, that's, that's it's not, not even fun. a field trip, right? It's right. Like regimented active, sweaty activities in the humidity at the end of the year. 
um and and you're 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 basically a glorified prison warden like in the yard yeah i don't want to be a prison warden yeah (laughs) like block d move over to (laughs) checkpoint four (laughs) cell block c move over to checkpoint five all right. Yeah, and you, and you hope him. that whoever is in charge has actually planned enough activities to cover mm-hmm. the time so that you don't have this just spare time watching the, the prisoners. That's oh, terrible. <laughs> yeah. So I decided how I asked myself, self, how shall I use this? This Because I had a day, if I didn't use it, I lose it. And I'm like, I know. Let's let's make sure we do some intentionally do something fun for our 17th anniversary. And so that is what we did. So that was great. Um, today, Christopher, we looked I, at plants and, and went out for lunch. That that sounds that sounds lovely. We went to a place called New, was it Noodle House? I had noodles. I had noodles. I, I usually uh, I'm not a not a big noodle guy, and yet I was good. This is the first time I've ever ordered the uh, fabled pad thai at a restaurant, mm-hmm. and it was delish. Pad thai is delicious. I think it's like some some people would argue that it's not authentic Thai food. I yeah. don't care. I think it's great. Yep. I uh, I love I, rice noodles. I, I ordered um, above the recommended spice level, and uh, I lived mm-hmm. to tell a tale. It was it was still good. Um, I had a great Christopher. I had a great conversation today with a student that I had last year, an ex student, who who came up to me. I was I was covering another another class for a, for a, for a, another teacher who was out um, during my prep period because um, we're chronically short on subs. And uh, this always makes me sheepish when, when kids say this, because occasionally kids will say this because they think it's funny. They're like, Mr. Haberman, I love Haber bros. And I, I, I said something like diversionary, like, oh, it's nice or whatever. And then another kid was like, yeah, it's like actually funny. So I don't know, Christopher, you, uh, well, you, uh, you rank listeners. well with the uh, under 25 demographic. I don't. I guess the, the podcast does. <laughs> Yeah. Well, I'm assuming, I'm assuming the, uh, you, you, did you, you lend the did, humor. Did you put us on the TikTok, Kirk? Is, like, <laughs> how are we finding the, the under 25 demographic? Have, have we been memefied and we don't know it? <laughs> uh, Kirk, I, I know that you're, you are, um, this was like, I don't know, seven years ago, you were um, depressed about the future of the country in that most of your students get their news from Snapchat. Yes. Um, yes. But then the, the like the new thing is most people get their news right. from, from, uh, from, uh, from TikTok. the TikTok and, and, and this, this is making like making everyone pull out their hair. Like this is not a news source. It's, it's, it, you know, it's a fun way to, you know, I, I, I don't think it's fun. Like TikToks. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. We're going to lose. Like whatever our, our comes out of your mouth is going to make you sound 800 years old. So it's okay. Just plow on ahead. Okay. This is my impression <laughs> of, of, and this is a, vi- this is a, not a visual medium. So this is for your benefit alone. Here's every single TikTok. Somebody, somebody stares at the camera with something written on the screen. Like this is a Gen Xer answering the phone. Right. And they stare <laughs> at it. And then maybe do an action or something. It's, it's just like comparing a lot of the humor seems to be like comparing generations. generational mockery. Yeah. 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 Okay. Okay. You're not Boomer, wrong. You're, you're, not you're, wrong. You're, you're ready to jump, jump to the gospel. Uh, let's go to the gospel, Christopher. Today's gospel comes from John 14, verse 21 through 29. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, 
he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my father. And I will love him and manifest myself to him. Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus answered him, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word. and My father will love him and will come to him and make our home with him. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words. And the word that you hear is not mine, but the father's who sent me. These things I have spoken to you while I am still with you. But the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Peace I live with you, I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. You heard me say to you, I am going away, and I will come to you. If you, have, if you loved me, you would have rejoiced, because I am going to the Father, for the Father is greater than I. And now I have told you before it takes place, so that when it does take place, you may believe. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So, Kirk, I'm, I'm not particularly sanguine um, today about uh life in in the church mm. um I, i've been a little bit unnerved uh by what i've read and it's kind of because what i've read has kind of confirmed um what i've heard what i've felt what i've sensed kind of in the broader um evangelical slash protestant uh culture out there and this i guess maybe not mainline protestant but just Evangelical, like our people, Kirk. You're talking about um, Tim Alberta article in the Atlantic. That was a biggie. <laughs> that was a big one. Um, but it, I mean, in the same week, I read that in and um, an article in New York Times that's a very similar article about a pastor in Arkansas, basically, essentially leaving his church because his church didn't want to hear him preach anymore. They wanted to come to church to have their politics confirmed. Right. Um, but the, the article in in the Atlantic. Um, uh, contrasted two different churches, but the, the one that was super depressing is this guy, this pastor was able to grow his church um, from 100 to 1,500 on a Sunday. Uh, so by uh, 1,400 people per Sunday um, in, in a matter of one year by doing one thing. And it wasn't the word, it wasn't by word and sacrament, Kirk. It was by introducing politics to the yeah. pul pulpit that he had. Um, he continued their their forty minutes of praise music and forty minutes of preaching, but in between he would insert what he calls a, a diatribe or what the congregation calls headline news, where he would just riff and essentially introduce kind of like misinformation, fake news, conspiracy theories that essentially like people had self selected that church who kind of bought into the whole. Um, we don't even need to get into what right. it was. Um, but it reminded me, like, I have colleagues, Kirk, who in the same week will have um, families leave the church and they will say the opposite things. One will say, you're too woke. The other family will say, you know, you're like, you're not sensitive enough to um, black lives or, you know, you, you name the quote unquote, maybe woke thing. Um, because what they're looking for not is actually like, let's get into the word and see what it says. It's, it's, do you confirm my politics? Say the thing I want you to say. Right. Here's the thing that we have been trying to emphasize over the years on this show is that Jesus doesn't give us what we want. He gives us what we need. Jesus is the opposite of what that pastor did um, to grow his church from 100 to 1500. Um, they came to get what they wanted, not what they need. That Jesus ought to challenge us. For the self-righteous, he holds up a mirror and forces them to do a real self-inventory that reveals sin and, and draws us to repentance. And for the, for the repentant tax collector and sinner, he's almost the opposite. He has this vision of grace. Um, because they don't need to hear the judgment right now. They 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 know it and they've repented, and so th they get completely different messages. Because in that moment, they need different things. 
And John 14 and 15, these chapters, they contain these beautiful words that declare this seemingly, I think, insane notion uh, at the time that Jesus going away was a good thing. John 14 begins with these words. Jesus says, let not your hearts be troubled. And he goes on to say, I'm going to go away, but it's okay. It's, it's for your good. First, it's, it's, it's that I'm going away and I will prepare a place for you. And then he says, I'll also go away. And then I will send the spirit to you. And the spirit's going to do all these things. It will unite you. It will itself, it will teach you. Um, it will unite us with the father. And, and the spirit will enable us. It will allow us to obey the teachings that he gives us. And finally, I guess twice it says the spirit will teach us. Um, so they have five things here. Um, and, and Kirk, these are beautiful words. And yet, like, I kind of like, I kind of tense up when I read them because I feel like they're abused by moralists um, when they're used the wrong time. Um, that these words are a description of, of the Christian life, much like, the, you know, when Jesus talks about in John 10 about the good shepherd and he says, my sheep know me. I know my sheep and my sheep know mm. me when they hear, they come, when I call, when they hear my voice um, in verse 23 today, Jesus, Jesus says, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my father will love him. And we will come to him and make our home with him. And, and Jesus is describing like this relationship of like, the sheep like like there's there's if you are one of god's sheep like you you hear his voice uh and, and yet this this is almost i feel like these words have been used in the past to drive a wedge into people asking them like are you in fact loved by god where like that is never in doubt if you hear the word of god god like you are one of the sheep um and, and people are like okay but like are you doing enough are you doing enough are you doing enough um, so these first, um, verses here, uh, we see Jesus saying, uh, these, these answers of, of, um, if you love me, you will keep my word. Um, which, which is a, sort of, a, which is a true statement that it, it's th through like the spirit's work that we are able to keep his word. Um, and then the middle, and, the, and then the next part in, in verse 25, he talks about the Holy spirit that will teach us things. And um, later in this chapter, it'll say how the spirit will actually allow us to be able to do those things. This promise of the spirit. Um, and here, here, you know, it talks about how the spirit will teach us. So that's, that's a thing. And, and that's one of the things um, I always pray for before I preach. Um, is that the spirit would be active now. Um, uh, I mean, we've got the weird anatomy that Paul introduces in his, uh, what, what epistle is it where he talks about the, uh, um, the eyes of your heart? <laughs> sometimes I, I pray for our ears to be open for the eyes of our hearts to, you know, um, the, the spirit would be present to, to help us learn, um, as we hear the word. Um, and Kirk, finally, I guess in conclusion of my comments, uh, we come back to the, one of the themes of John. What, what is it to be doing the work of God? Believe, Believe on him. Yep. Yes, and believe it. Yep. Um, and uh, what does verse 29 say? And now I have told you before it takes place, so that you, so that when it does take place, you may right. believe. And again, so, that is such a close echo of what we read, what we read several weeks ago in John 20. In John these, 20. These things are now, written. Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written. <laughs> so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ. Kirk, so the son of God, and that by believing in his, in that by believing you may have life in his name. Kirk, light bulbs must've been just going off probably yes. as John was writing this. Oh, yes. <laughs> uh, you know, like when he writes, um, you know, in this chapter, he's like, that's right. He told us, he told us he's going to go away. And, and, you know, he, he told us about his death. Ah, uh, and th that that would take place so that we would believe in him okay okay we like i didn't get that the first time um and, and here it is we have the benefit that they didn't have where we can read it and read it again and read it again and read the whole thing all in, in kind of one glimpse 
um, and, and see the purpose of, of these words that, 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 um, you know, there are people who love Jesus, but not religion. They're like, Oh, I love the Jesus. Who's just like cool and forgives sins and loves people. Um, but it's like, no, like, why do we have these words introducing us to Jesus? It's that we would believe in him. It's not that we would just like lift him up as this great teacher and overall cool guy, but that we would believe in that by believing we may have life in his name. So these Sundays near the end of Eastertide, right? So Sunday, this Sunday coming up, this is the reading for Rogation Sunday, which is what are we in the fifth or the sixth Sunday of Easter? Uh, sixth, I believe. The sixth Sunday of Easter. Um, I've always found it like interesting and I'd love, I'd love to hear like um, a pastoral mm. thoughtful lecture by, by a biblical scholar explaining the rationale, but I think solely with, without having heard such a thing thus far in my life, I think the rationale is slowly becoming clear to me. So you are usually kept in context here, Christopher, mm. explaining um, kind of where, where we are, we are yeah. in, in, in the context of the book and why it's being written. And um, this John 14 is, not an Easter appearance, right? This is not, um, this, even though this takes place in the life of the church in the 40 days after the resurrection, um, in the gospel of John, this does not take place during the 40 days after the resurrection, but rather this takes place during Holy Week, right? This is Holy Thursday. This is part of this John's extended upper room discourse. And uh, I think though, part of the rationale here, this is, this is, some of the most highly developed uh, theology about the nature of God, mm. it's explicitly Trinitarian, right? So we yes. see Jesus after his resurrection, and if we see like his divinity shining forth in the way that he had only kind of hinted at and spoken of previously, right? So now we can have these parts of John that really trumpet forth a, a full-throated Trinitarian um, kind of vision of the interaction between God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit in the church. We can talk about that in a moment. Um, but also, it's like um, a Pentecost Jesima Sundays, right? Hmm. <laughs> so in sure, the older yeah. prayer books, yeah. there were there were Jesima Sundays. These were the, the three Sundays before Lent in, the, in Epiphany that sort of had a, had a pre-Lent feel. Um, and we also see this in, in November leading up to Advent. We sometimes have some apocalyptic texts that I think are left over um, from the medieval lectionary when um, St. Martin's Lent, right? When, when Advent was longer, was six Sundays, not, not four Sundays. And this sort of seems like a Pentecost Jesima, right? Because we, we get, a, we yeah. get um, an exciting foretaste, this promise, right? Mm -hmm. of, of, of what is to come. And we also get in our excitement, like, in, in the child who is like, hey, I see what you're doing and gets hung up on, wait, they said Holy Spirit and Pentecost is coming. Um, I think we can miss, we can miss something that's being taught here to us of the Holy Spirit. So verse 26, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I've said to you. Um, I think because we live in America and we cannot help but be colored by waves of Pentecostalism that have washed over us, I think we might be blind to what the Bible teaches about the Holy Spirit's role in the life of the church and in the life of our hearts, in the life of a believer's heart, in, in, our, in our prayer and in our, our, our family life here at home. And we can see here exactly what Jesus is teaching that the Holy Spirit will do. Like, I must leave so that the Holy Spirit can do this work in you. And what is that? He will teach you all things. All things that are necessary for you to know, right? Here's a clear promise to the apostles and to their successors in the faith that the Holy Spirit will teach them all the truth, which is needful for their salvation. Uh, that is really assuring. Uh, because uh, the early church did not have the New Testament, right? They had, you know, the, the, the Torah, they had the writings, they had the prophets, they had the Psalms. Um, but, but yet there was this new path, this new thing to be built. Um, and it could have been built, you and I have talked about this a lot, right? Um, as 
sort of a lot of kind of American, like Baptist influence Americans believe it could have been just kind of built by men in vain for the purpose of their advancement. And then it's just a human construction. Um, and that is, that is kind of what a lot of Baptistic minded churches basically teach, right? Like, like after the disciples, the church is just kind of a human thing. And then later Baptists came along and rediscovered the actual purpose of, of Jesus and his life and teachings. Right. But here, no, we see that the Holy spirit, Jesus promises, no, the Holy spirit will come and will teach you all things. And that is really reassuring because it means that it means a couple of things. Christopher it means that we don't have to be Gnostic. It's a fancy word that means we don't have to look inside to find our own truth. Um, I think the older you get and the more you grow in self-knowledge, um, the more you realize there is no truth inside you. <laughs> it's just a gaping chasm of your desire, but endless insatiable desires, right? And, and grudges and suspicions. Um, so I, I know I can't find any truth inside me. <laughs> um, and it also means that I don't have to rely on philosophy or human construction, um, but rather that the Holy Spirit guards and guides his bride, the church. Not in a Gnostic way, not in a way that like he reveals these secret truths to mm -hmm. us, but but reveals. in that we just, right. he reveals um, <laughs> this uh, in us. The, so um, we need this voice or we need this good news from outside of us. Yes. Right. The yes. words of Holy Scripture that the Holy Spirit helps to teach to us. Yeah. 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 And 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 in. Our, in our tradition, in um, Anglican Christianity, we, we bang on constantly about word and sacrament, um, and we believe that that is how the Holy Spirit passes on the faith, um, through the faithful proclamation of the word, the saving word of Jesus Christ, his saving acts of salvation on the cross for our redemption across time and space, and that that saving, that saving grace is applied to us in our baptism um, and in the bread and the wine at Holy Communion. So it, you're saying it's not the headline news and the politics that, that does it? Um, I, oddly, oddly, no. Um, and this is a, it's something that I don't, I don't actually know if we've talked about this at all, but this is, Christopher, I know um, I've shared this with you before. Um, as we become increasingly post-Christian, um, we're not becoming increasingly less religious, but rather sure. politics is the sugar high that we are going yeah. to to yeah. satisfy that religious... Um, craving. I mean, so we're becoming religious about our politics. And even post-Christian, post-Christians, I'm, I'm saying something scandalous here, post-Christians that attend church, <laughs> right, um, uh, are, 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 they, they have a, they're religiously political, and it's masquerading as the Christian religion. So, yeah. 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 And it's not worth Yeah, and, and the article mentioned all the American flags up in the church, right. and, you know, it's like, why do you have a flag there <laughs> the cross is our flag right right uh, uh yeah and um i don't know kirk let me ask you a question ask do you think god can you know we pray that will be done can god's will be accomplished if there's a bad president uh yes you think so <laughs> Uh, so, yes. Okay. So are you sure we don't need to th throw our lot in with an immoral man to, because it's the lesser of two evils? Ah, uh, the Cyrus argument. You don't need to believe her, but just, a just, 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 yeah. um, someone who will protect it, God's people. It signals a fundamental distrust in in God to be able to accomplish his work. A low view of the Holy spirit. Yeah. Right. That he will guard, protect and guide his church and a low view of the church. Right. Like yeah. the important thing is the nation state, yeah. um, not the church, which again is evidence. I feel like Kirk, Kirk, can God accomplishes will without a strong America. But the Saint, like, I mean, St. Augustus, St. Augustine's magnum opus is this question, right. Um, which is uh, title. Um, city of God. City of God. Yes. Yeah. What will I, happen? I just want to reference it. What will happen yeah. to Christians when Rome falls? Because it really feels like it's going to fall, hmm. and it actually turned out to be okay for the church. 
Like it got really dark. I'm not going to say the seventh century was awesome. You know, if you were some Christian community, like in some like mud hovel in France or whatever. And and I don't, I don't wish to be persecuted. I'm I'm glad that that we have the freedom of, of, um, uh, of religion. And um, so, so I'm not going to, you know, it's great that we're not persecuted. However, if we were persecuted, God would still be able to work his will for his good. Yeah. And it's a, it's a weird Cesaro papism, which is a fancy word of conflation of church and state, which is really yeah. funny to see uh, really real American Protestants do this is they yeah. want, they want a Pope and a Caesar. <laughs> yes. yes. Yeah. Um, which no, <laughs> no. Anyway, I, I didn't mean to get too far yeah. afield, but, but it, it did seem to apply, but I mean that I've been marinating a lot in that Tim Alberta piece, um, which I, I would commend to our listeners. Uh, it is titled, it's from the Atlantic. It's titled How Politics Poisoned the Evangelical Church. It's by Tim Alberta. Mm-hmm. It's very good. Yep. We, uh, maybe we can think more about kind of thoughtfully, carefully um, looking at, at maybe spend an episode looking at that. And then at the flip sure. side of kind of, kind of the gutting of liberal Protestantism by, by wokeism as well. Um, because like everything's getting worse on both sides. Um, mm-hmm. For for any for any pastor that thinks they can just do a little politics, right. um, it ends up kind of tainting everything they do. I think. Oh yeah, and, and <laughs> yeah, it's it's interesting. Now I'm not saying how, I'm not how, saying how that it, we can't pray for right. the um, for the for like for example, like let's speak plainly, right? Um, Roe Ro versus Wade was not only like awful law, but like as Christians, we can all say you know, left, right, and center, we, we, we pray for the slaughter of the unborn to end. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, there's, there's like concentric circles that we, we should all agree on that we shouldn't shy away from because like that's quote politics unquote. Yeah. And, and, um, a pastor, when he preaches here, you know, or she, um, the, you know, there's, I don't know who was it who first said, you know, you, you open up the newspaper and Bible and you put them side by side because you're trying to apply um, these ancient forever truths to a current, a current context. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've been preaching through the book of Revelation um, in this Easter season. And uh, I mean, it's, what's interesting is, is that the context is different but it's also the same in that like people uh god's people are struggling and they look to revelation for this vision of hope this 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 assurance that this thing that was promised will happen and that in the end god wins that is is the theme of the book of revelation all that imagery um, and people pull out all this literalism out of a book that's not a literal, you know, it's, it's like not right. meant to be taken that way. Um, uh, and, and that's another conversation of like understanding the Bible as literature that like this is an apocalyptic book where it's like some of the numbers are are figurative, you know, they they represent something, not a one to one comparison. Well, and like, it also who it is also the Antichrist. It's every right. generation has Antichrist. The, the idea is it is not to find the single one. But every generation is going to have have, have one. It also well, reveals the nature of God, um, yeah, and 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 his his vision for his his people, his church, not um, temporal history, right? And yeah. so as as we preach, we we, we try to connect to um, a diverse group of people who have all kinds of things going on. And you mentioned like the the. Um, maybe the, the demands of woke Protestantism of like, you know, if you're not preaching. So, so like, I'll just say in my context, I didn't mention in my sermon on Sunday, the, the shooting in Buffalo as, as, right. as horrible as that, that was, um, that wasn't a particular thing that our, our community needed to hear on that day. And I would be excoriated by certain people f- for that. Right. If that makes sense for yep. not like, like, but the list of things that you have to mention every Sunday then becomes right. like, you have to, you know, it's but then like, you become I, slave to headlines and yes. headline news, yeah. not yeah. slaves to the gospel, which is yeah. actually St. Paul's metaphor. Right. <laughs> right. 
Christopher. And, and so um, you can you could take take an event like that and say, "Where's the good news in this?" Yes. Yeah. Let's move on. Yeah. So I mean, you can end up being really kind of tied tied to the news, and um, tied to that. And uh, I think uh, I'm just going to give up on this segue. <laughs> Let's go to culture. I thought you it wasn't going to work. I thought I thought you were working. It was it was going to involve like just wanting to stab yourself. Tied to tradition. Oh, stab yourself. Gotcha. Yeah. Like imagine okay. like just kind of hating the news so much you just wanted to commit harakiri. Speaking <laughs> of which. Christopher, what do you have for us today in our culture segment? Today in our culture segment, we will be talking about the 2003 Tom Cruise film called The Last Samurai. Boy, was that Uh, out of nowhere. Yes. (laughs) Well, why did I watch this? Did I tell you why I watched it? Nope. You know, 19 years after the fact. Kirk, I, I, I... I was uh, not just skeptical, kind of hostile to Tom Cruise for years. Um, for instance, like uh, there are movies like Collateral, which is a very good movie. But in, in the movie, he plays like this tough guy. And at one point he's like manhandling like these two other guys. And, and it just doesn't work because he, like he's like 5'3". Right. And like he's not going to be like physically manhandling anybody and and he has this this tendency and kirk i think you reminded me that we heard um i i I don't know if it's um apocryphal or not but that like in in the last samurai that he demanded that he was in every scene yep and and i just watched you ever see so i so there are a lot of so for years i didn't did not watch much tom cruise even while kind of appreciating some of the stuff that he's in like minority report was like oh that's great but then I'm like, oh, I just don't want to. And this this movie, I was like, why is Tom Cruise on the like the poster of a movie called The Last Samurai? Like, don't tell me he's the Last Samurai. Is this some like <laughs> white sa- like white savior movie? Like what? What? Like don't. And for some reason, I I was like, is he the last? Sa-? No, I cannot watch a movie where Tom Cruise plays a samurai. So for 19 years, I didn't watch it. And then it must have been mentioned. And also, Kirk, I'm I'm kind of in a Japanese kick unintentionally. You are, are you watching Tokyo Vice? I watched Tokyo Vice, uh, who, which also features the great Ken, Ken Watanabe. Yes. He's, he's looking amazing. much older than he did in 2003, but well, still but very also, handsome. Also, he still looks very young. Yeah. Like, he's 62 years old, Kirk. Does he look 62? And and are you watching Tokyo Vice? Uh, I watched episode one. It might be a hard sell. Subsequent yeah. subsequent episodes for my wife. So I may be on my own. I am, I am, I'm loving it. Maybe we can talk about uh, that later. But Anyhow. I also watched a Netflix show that has one season that I really liked um, that, that I'd never heard of, but I found it because I've been on a, uh, a Kelly McDonald um, kick. She's a Scottish actress. And I just love, love hearing her talk. Um, she's a great accent. Uh, and that movie is called, or that show is called Giri Haji. It's very good. G-I-R-I-H-A-J-I. Great. So anyway, 19 years after the <laughs> release and hey, Kirk, you probably watched this in 2003. And, and I was like, Hey Kirk, you should, we should talk about this. And you're like, yeah, I'll have to rewatch it. I remember but, loving it. 
my, my, my roommate and I loved it. I probably watched it several times and we will talk about in a little bit. Why okay. would you like to, okay. would you like to um, kind of give a brief summary? A little synopsis. A little sure. synopsis. Um, so uh, this movie, uh, Thomas, <laughs> Tom Cruise plays um, <laughs> former U S army captain, Nathan Algren. And at the beginning of the movie, he's drunk and he's at this like exhibition um, and uh, he drinks to forget Kirk mm-hmm. because of the, the war crimes that he committed against um, the American Indian that um, and the film really hits you over the head that this is PTSD, right? Like he wakes up with yeah. the shakes as he has nightmares of this, like, yeah, but most of it, he's it, psychically you know, it, wounded like, by this. Yeah. It's, it's not like, right. But it's not like I'm afraid of an IED. It's, it's right. like, what have I done? Right. Like the, this, the blood on my hands can be, cannot be washed <laughs> away, Kirk. Unlike, unlike the Eskimo and his, right. in the killing of the first seal. Uh, <laughs> well, that's a pull, huh? That's a deep pull. Yes. Um, and he, he's recruited, uh, essentially saved. Cause like he's, he's got nothing going for him and he's offered a little bit of money to go train these Japanese soldiers. And what's interesting is that it's essentially, isn't it like a businessman who is seeking to do this as this young emperor is, is essentially taking advice from some, it's like the, 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 the infant, uh, industrial like military industrial complex just beginning in japan right so like this weird nexus of um generals and captains of industry in japan just as they're getting like railroads and telegraph lines and firearms right japan which is famously closed which we opened up um kind of repairing forcibly yeah common repair um uh and but even as they opened a trade it was it it was a there were many other questions of, of in what ways would Japan embrace modernity? Right. Um, and, and does modernity and all that comes with it. And Kirk, this is, this is a, a greater argument and um, just discernment uh, th- thing that, you know, when we talk about um, Marshall McLuhan's w- great work um, that, that um, that doesn't pose the question. It, 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 uh, it states decisively yeah. the the medium is the message. Um, so it's, it's not that you can just introduce um, uh, new technology and new uh, trains and telegraph and, and all these new ways of life, um, new ways of agriculture and farming and all those things. It's not, you can't just introduce that um, and have like, n- it is not a net uh Things will be lost. Things will it's be not lost. like you can just kind of add that and still keep all the old and everything. All, all the fine. things that, that, that are that are important. Like and, cherry and so blossoms a, and kimono, kimonos and, kimonos. and uh, the silk And honor and, and a way of yeah. life. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, and so, uh, you know, there's this kind of parallel that the movie draws between the traditional American Indians, the indigenous people there, Right. And these holdouts in Japan, Ken Watanabe is the last samurai who um, has has resisted the change. And how, how would you describe um, him? I, I would not call him a terrorist, but like the, the, there is what is it that he's doing that they that that this um, Omura, this new kind of industrialist that has the ear of the young emperor, the young emperor is kind of unsure of, of kind of how yeah, to I forget. Move is he is he sabotaging kind of railroads? Is he doing that's any kind what of low level terrorism? That's what it is. So so yeah. so it's not like it's it's not that he's killing people. It's just he's he's sabotaging progress toward toward the end of getting the emperor's ear. He wants to meet up again with the with the young emperor, who was once his student, right? And he feels like the emperor is not yet kind of um wholly sold out. Right. Holy latched onto modernity. He still has kind of, it would be open to kind of maintaining the old folk ways, the old ways of life. Well, and, and he, he insists like, I am, I am loyal to the emperor. Um, if he asked me to lay down my sword, I will lay down my sword. Yes. And so that's, what's kind of, what makes him a very interesting character is, is that um, I guess technically probably by the, 
the law, like he is being, but even as he's sabotaging maybe some of these new public works, like, like railroad, they want to get laid, um, which in many ways, Kirk, you know, um, the industrial revolution brought um, prosperity. That is not just like wanton, like decadent stuff. It brought like longer lives, right? And, you know, Three meals a day progress. Yeah. <laughs> right. Heat in the way heat in the winter. <laughs> and yet there are costs. Yeah. And that is what found what I found so interesting in this movie is this tension between progress and and retaining what is lost. Yeah. So Aldrin so, because, is initially because hired. You and I, go ahead. Because you and I, Kirk, um, as much as as like I think our sympathy early in the movie like goes immediately to uh, Ken Watanabe. Um, yeah. And what is his character's name? Should we call him Watanabe or should we call him by his name? Oh, Katsumoto? Katsumoto. Katsumoto. Yeah. Um, so uh, initially, like, our sympathy goes directly to him, right? Because um, mm-hmm. we could see what what they're doing. Like, they send crews out with his unit before they're prepared, and, and Cruz tries to demonstrate how they're not ready to go into battle, yeah. and they get just slaughtered. That, that's a great uh, moment when he's like, he he he, he tells me. Amura, <laughs> he gives, he gives um, just this new recruit, yeah. like a musket, and he's like, shoot, shoot me. me. And the guy's like trying to like load it and like he's panicking. He's like screaming at him, shoot me! In very like Tom Cruise screaming right. voice. Yeah. Shoot me! And he's like, Over if this guy head, can't shoot me at, point, the guy, at not point blank, but like 15 feet. Yeah. Like we're not ready to go into battle. Like I don't <laughs> care if we samurai. have guns and they have swords. Like we're not. Yeah. So, um, so our, gets, our, our sympathy immediately goes yeah. to Watanabe, even though we don't totally agree with and, and, and that's that that tension, Kurt. Yeah, is that even though there are there are aspects of his of his culture that he's trying to conserve, that like this honor culture that that requires them to like kill themselves if they are you know uh, losing battle or this or right. that. Like we'd we'd say that's bad, and yet we're, our sympathies are with him. So that's the bigger thing that I want to explore. And the bigger biggest, I was like, I can't wait to talk to Kurt. However, yeah, you're right. Let's, let's let's move forward with the plot a little bit. So they go into battle. They're slaughtered. But um, Cruz shows <laughs> – this is a Tom Cruise thing too. Like yes. He's in every scene, but he shows such bravery in the battle that um, what not, um, Katsumoto decides to spare him. Yeah. And Tom Cruise doesn't understand why. And they go up to this village far away in the mountains to Katsumoto's village. And um, over time, over a long time, uh, Algren – Cruz's character yeah um gets to see how this village works and learns that he killed um that he is in a widow's house a widow who is a widow because tom cruise killed her yeah. husband and yet she and she hosts him and that is very deftly done that's yes that, that slow realization and, and her pain and, he, and, he and her the, pain he to the table with her children yep who have no dad because he killed their father um and eventually um, Algren, uh, spoiler alert, um, goes native, goes native and, and decides that he will fight, um, with Katsumoto. He, he takes his, takes his pants off and puts on the silk. Yes. Puts on the kimono. So Kirk, where do you want to start? Uh, yeah, I, I think, I think I, I want to talk about, Oh wait, no, of, no, no, no. Stop, stop, stop. I know I just asked you. <laughs> I'm very excited. Kirk took notes. <laughs> on note cards yes do you have I them Kirk? Show, show, show me the note cards all right yeah. the listener can see here can hear can hear it hear the Let's... sound ready you hear that <laughs> no cards Let's yeah go. no no um i don't know where i heard this before i feel like this is just kind of in the air like everyone is conservative about what they know yeah right so as nathan algren begins to learn the Native American culture, right? As he's, you know, in the Indian Wars in the West, he begins to honor and respect kind of the, the, the warrior tradition there. Um, you know, he goes to Japan. He's just kind of a sad, wounded, drunk ex-military looking to make a payday, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, um, and he comes to, comes to know um, this, this culture that, that is its own kind of internal universe um, internally consistent and beautiful, lovely universe, and comes to know and love it, and then wants to conserve it. Um, so here's here. This is 
interesting to me as well. Isolation breeds interesting cultures. I just mm-hmm. watched with my students seven years in Tibet. Um, mm-hmm. Tibet could have no longer, uh, I mean, Mahayana Buddhism like could only exist in its like lovely, uh, vulnerable pa- um, pacifism uh, could have only existed with the isolation created by the Karakoram Desert and the Himalayas, right? And it's this quirky, weird, beautiful thing that has fascinated kind of Westerners for the last hundred years once we discovered it, right? And China's like, nah, die. <laughs> anyway, yeah. um, same, same with um, Japan has fascinated uh, America since we kind of discovered it, right? Like cherry blossoms and green tea and silk, you know, all this stuff is, and, and, and screens, all this stuff is, is just endlessly fascinating. And of course, I'll, we'll get to the, the Bushido ethic, which like every American teenage boy has, has loved. And has like mated with pop culture in weird, funny ways, like teenage mutant selectively, right? Yeah, selectively, <laughs> right? Um, so samurai, interestingly, I wrote this down, means to serve, right? Like mm. teenage me wouldn't have guessed that. I'd have been like, <laughs> it means to slice in half, yeah, to kick butt, yeah, <laughs> to kick butt, right? <laughs> um, so it's interesting. Samurai are ultimately in an untenable position with firearms, mm-hmm. um, because of it being kind of stuck in amber in isolation, right? Isolation bred this thing that kind of existed uh, in amber for like a 500 year period. Um, and actually, if you go a little deeper, there are periods of reform within kind of kind of Bushido, but it's largely, it's its own thing and very isolation. Um, do, do you know the, the Japanese, I forget the name of it. They have a, this, this word, this great word, which this is a stupid story because I can't remember the name of the great word for this once in a millennia storm that smashed the, the, the Mongol armada. They had an amphibious mm-hmm. armada set to invade Japan. Uh, Geng- huh. Genghis Khan did. And they're just, they're not like that, these kind of storms on the East coast of Asia, but it smashed to bits this, this, this armada. And so like it was, kind of spared what would have wow. been really an opening yeah. of Japan because yeah. Mo- the, the, the Mongols, right. man, they changed every, yeah. everything. They yeah. smashed everything they ran into and they, they, they created modernity in some ways, right? Like this trading network. Um, so that's interesting. So it, China gets to, or J- Japan gets to exist as this isolated entity that mm-hmm. no other culture does in Asia because of the Mongols, right? Mm-hmm. So shame and honor cultures, Christopher, um, this is common to so many pre-modern cultures, right? Mm-hmm. Um, we get this with Native Americans, with samurai, with Vikings, um, with Spartans, with Klingons, with Jedi, <laughs> right? But like, what I'm using humor to make a point, right? We we are so fascinated by it right. that we write it into our fiction. Um, and the Hatfield and McCoys, right? right it carries on in pre pre-modern America as well. Um, and it's this in indigenous honor warrior culture that's just catnip to the young American male. Um, and um, I, I don't have any deeper thoughts on that. It's, I just wrote that down. I, I think that's interesting. Um, I'll, and I'll talk about, I'll, I'll explore it a little further in a moment, but I did write down Hans Zimmer is good. Did you know this Hans Zimmer did the soundtrack? But he's obviously evolved. Um, in 2003, hmm, it's more yeah. of an old Hollywood sound. And now by the time you get to Dune, it's just like these blocks of it's not even music anymore like it's blocks of like sound you even get that in 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 Zack Snyder's Superman but um well, and, and certainly and, in like and his Christopher Zimmer Nolan does a lot stuff. of Christopher Nolan stuff yeah you, you know um but I think that's it, it's like if if Christopher Nolan said give me like beautiful melodic like he, he could do that you know what I mean but but mm-hmm. like um uh what's the space one why can't i remember the name of that interstellar interstellar it's one of my favorite movies I can't remember that. um <laughs> it's so good that i intentionally forget its name yeah. right, keep going um but but the soundtrack you know the, the music is 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 more that that and um uh th- that is more dune like than than you know because like it's supposed to be like science fiction and and kind of um, more uh, uh, visceral. Um, right. It's visceral. 
and and then the the Dark Knight stuff, like especially the Dark Knight Rises. Um, Kirk, do you remember the the chant that they do as as he's climbing up out of the pit? That is in like what's the key signature or the time signature? Sorry, that that's like in. five four or something weird. It's five four or something weird that like has this like unnerving like driving Propulsive, gutter, and it's guttural like it's evocative. Like, the music is very evocative, and so here like yeah, the soundtrack. I mean, it's it's he can. It's not that he's evolved. It's that he he can write for anything. Yeah. Yeah, it's beautiful. And it's the old Hollywood sound, right? Yeah. Um, I mean, it sounds like, you know, John Williams or the great MGM epics, you know, Lawrence of Arabia or things like that. So it's 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 great. But back to your, I, I want to I finish. Let us, we're running out of time. Yeah. I, I want to address your 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 observation, this 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 uncomfortable synthesis of when when and when a of an isolated lovely culture meets modernity um and you and you get you get lost but also synthesis and the music the movie actually more than i appreciated at the time i kind of loved it more at the time for the beautiful death at the end um when they fire into i mean at that point symbolism becomes just hits you over the head right they run it they pull out the gatling gun at the end right (laughs) and the gatling gun you get like the, the, the first kind of machine gun, the hand cranked machine gun, yeah. mowing down kind of the, the last and best and most beautiful of the, of the samurai. Um, and at that point, Tom Cruise has gone native. And in one of the more preposterous moments, he alone survives <laughs> like the charge of the light brigade, right? <laughs> yes. they, they, the light brigade are charging. <laughs> and in any case, Katsumoto dies. Um, he asks, uh, um, he, he wants to die a samurai's death. And, yeah. and so we get that that beautiful moment and his poem is finished. Do you remember that? He sees falling cherry blossoms at the end. You get this beautiful sort of this beautiful Japanese moment where like he says a haiku and he sees cherry blossoms and he dies. <laughs> um, but uh, so I want to read to you. I, I, I remember I was assaulting you with like a bunch of text messages and pick, and like screenshots of the script, which interestingly, the script that I found wasn't the final version because hmm. because it was saying this was interesting to find those things. Yeah, yeah what what yeah. what makes the cut and what doesn't because yeah. i mean like good producers would be like this is great now it's cut 30 <laughs> percent and so it would there it would, a lot was cut and it's still a good movie um but you get the synthesis of the old and new at katsumoto's death so do you remember Algren, uh tom cruise goes to visit the emperor um and, and he presents the emperor Katsumoto's sword. Um, and the emperor looks at Algren. So I'm now, I'm now reading the script. Um, the emperor looks at Algren still kneeling, still kneeling before him. So, so Tom Cruise is kneeling before him, presenting his sword above his head. And the emperor says, the samurai is gone. The spirit of the samurai lives forever. Tell me how he died. Algren looks at the emperor and says, I will tell you how he lived. Um, uh, the emperor said, then Algren says, your highness, if you believe I am your enemy, command me and I will gladly take my life. Then, then, then um, the emperor is stunned to hear this from a Westerner. Then he makes a decision that will change his life. He stands. He says, this is the emperor's mini speech. This is the synthesis of old and new, yeah. which is yeah. modern Japan. This is yes. actually yeah. really good. This is not stupid pop history. This is right. the great Japanese synthesis. My ancestors have ruled Japan for 2000 years. For all that time, we have slept. During my sleep, I have dreamed. I dreamed of a unified Japan, of a country strong and independent and modern. And then he touches the sword lovingly. And now we are awake. We have railroads and cannon and Western clothing. But we cannot forget who we are Mm. or where we come from. I like that. That's not trite. That's That's real. Isn't that real? Yeah. Yeah, and, And a caution for each of us as we are assaulted daily. Like, so it's one thing to celebrate progress of like, I don't, I don't even know. I'm going to make something up every seven years. Like we like double our technological knowledge and scientific knowledge, you know, whatever the progress is that, that is, is kind of exponential. Is it it exponential or is it just like the, the, the the progress and discoveries are becoming more and more rapid. So it's hard to even say like, it's, it's not like linear in the way that it would be like, well, it took us, a hundred years to accomplish this one thing. So the next step must be a hundred years. No, it, it'll be 50 years and then 30 and then 12. And then, but here, here's the thing that we, 
that we as discerning people um, keep in mind, it, it, and that's this, technological advances are not value neutral. Right. The smartphone um, is not value neutral. Computers are not value neutral. And so we need to be cautious as we read more and more stuff on screens about what that, what is that doing to us? And that's just one right. of the many things yeah. like for each advance, it's not value neutral that, that, it, that it, it has the potential for harm or, or for good. And, and so we, we need to um, be discerning as, as, as we embrace new things. A, f- a final thought to remember who, to remember who we are and where we came from. Yeah. Um, this movie obliquely addressed the tragedy of the erasure of native Americans in the, the American West. And I think you could almost in that final um, little speech by the emperor substitute um, American Indians for samurai, right? Um, we have a United uh, America now. Um, and, and, and sadly, kind of, uh, what the, one of the great tragedies of that was the elimination of um, the native way of life. But we cannot forget who we are, where we came from. Uh, you and I grew up um, amongst, side by side in classrooms with Native Americans. Um, and so maybe our faces pressed up to the glass a little more um, in that regard. Um, and it makes me frustrated or sometimes um, when people pretend to speak for Native Americans and I don't mm. think probably actually represent their perspective. But I think that, that, that as well speaks to the Native American ex- experiences to not be forgotten as well. Sure. Um, and yeah. to, to remember that that is, that is a deep part of um, kind of the American story. Yeah. Any final thoughts before we pray? Cause I gotta go, man. Let's pray. Lord be with you and with your spirit. Let us pray. Oh God, you have prepared for those who love you such good things as surpass our understanding. Pour into our hearts such love towards you that we, loving you in all things and above all things, may obtain your promises, which exceed all that we can desire. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God forever and ever. Amen. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all evermore. Amen. Amen. Uh, next week, I hope. <laughs> Definitely. Next week.